0: So there in Acts chapter 5, in verse 42, it finishes that little section by saying, every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith." Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your body. Thank you that we gather around your word, which is alive today. Teach us, train us in the way that we should go, Uh, Lord, so that when we go out from this place, we won't go out from you, but we go out with you. I thank you that you've given us your word to equip us, to encourage us, to correct us and to help us. And and it is a treasure in our life. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So recap it just a little, you know, and I'm, I'm going to shorten my recaps a little bit more and more because as we go further into Acts, you know, this be in week eight, uh, it'd be a lot to recap. But what you're seeing is the beginnings, the origin of the church. It was made up of real people. The book of Acts talking about real people, talking to you and I, real people. And, and you can see the spirit of God is moving among his people as many as would come the spirit's moving and the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed and we talked about last week that that proclamation of the gospel requires a response it requires a response from our heart we either repent change the way that we think to line up with that gospel or we resist it you know we either follow him or we fight against him and we saw some of that Uh, Last week, as persecution is beginning to build against the church, we learned what the Sanhedrin was. It's the high religious council of that day who made the decisions, who set the order. And they called the apostles in front of them and basically told them, you have to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they said, tell you what, we're not going to stop. Matter of fact, we're going to preach right here in front of you because we can't stop And they became murderous even in their thoughts towards them. They were fighting and resisting that message so much that they became murderous. And we remember what one of them, one of the older, wiser, more calm influences in the room, Gamaliel, a Pharisee, said. He he said, calm down, get them out of the room. Y'all chill out. And listen, understand that if this is not of God, it's going to go away on its own. If God's not in this, it's going to disappear and you're not going to have to worry about it. But then he followed up and said, if it is of God, then you will not be able to overthrow it. And we'll see that in the church as it continues, because the persecution level is going to continue to rise. But you'll see that God affirms this is of him, from him, empowered by him. And so it cannot be overthrown. It cannot be stopped, though it endure difficulties and persecutions. So you have that first in verse uh, 42 of chapter five. I just wanted to read that just to kind of remind us where they are, that every day. Every day. Church isn't just a Sunday, Wednesday. Churches every day were part of the body. Every day they were gathered in the temple and in various homes. And they continued, continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And it continued on up until the day we're going to read about here. But then obviously it continues on still today because Gamaliel was right. If it's of God, it cannot be overthrown and it cannot be Stopped. But it says in those days, as all of that was going on, as the number of disciples were growing, there arose a complaint, an issue, a problem. And that happens, right? Because people, we as people, especially when you get us together in groups of more than one, there's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. There's going to be room for complaints. So the more people, the more opportunity for problems, I was reminded, Proverbs 14, and some of y'all heard me talk about this before. It says, if there's no ox in the barn, the trough is clean. The stall is clean. There's no mess to worry about if there's no ox in the barn. But it says, you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Telling us that even the good things in our life are going to make a mess behind them that we have to tend to and take care of. And we know that. We just need to be reminded of it. And that's what they're seeing here. It's a great thing going on. And with that great thing comes a little bit of mess. With a strong ox in the barn, there's some stuff you have to shovel up. But you'd rather have a strong ox in the barn. And so we see that as we grow and, and as we mature in, in relationships and in life. Issues can come up. Legit issues. This was a legit felt issue issue. So what was the problem? What was the complaint? It says it was a complaint by the Hellenist Jews against the Hebraic Jews. Now Hellenist sounds like it might be an insult, right? Well, what, 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 what kind of group is that? Man, they a Hellenist group over there, <laughs> right? It sounds like it might be, yeah, a little, a little redneck insult. like <laughs> the Hellenists. let me tell you. But what it meant was these are people who have lived in Greece, spoke Greek, uh, had adopted the way of life of the Greeks. You know, that's where they lived, that's how they lived, but they weren't Greek. They were Jewish. And, and so that Hellenistic Jews is just, they, they were Hellenized, that's where they lived. what happened, you, you read about it in the Old Testament uh, when Israel was overwhelmed. They, first of all, they had been sinful and rebellious against God. God's protection is removed. They're defeated by like Babylon. And many of them taken away into captivity. Others ran away, spread out. It's called the diaspora, the scattering of the people. And a lot of them ended up in Greece. And so they would live there. Generations wouldn't live there. That's where they would make their living. That's where they would work. Uh, They they spoke Greek. They lived like Greeks for the most part because they were that far away from the homeland. But when they got older, they still took very seriously the fact that they were Jewish, the fact that they served uh, the the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So as they got older, especially as the man began to get older in life, they would want to move back to the homeland so that they could be buried in the, home, in the promised land, the, the land that God had promised uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that they went into during the Exodus, that they could be buried in the promised land. And usually, you know how things go, the man would die before the wife. And so that resulted in there's a lot of widows there in Jerusalem that, that needed help, that needed assistance, that needed to be looked after and cared for and so you had some of them that had come from far away, come back from Greece. Those were the Hellenistic Jews. And then the Hebraic Jews, the ones that were just there the whole time. They may never known anything but living there. And it says a complaint arose between those, the, the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. They were saying that, hey, as we're taking care of the widows... Because apparently the, the church, the early church had taken on that responsibility. Something that had been done out of the synagogue, had been done through the temple. They took that on and said, we're going to take this on. To, to, and, and they're saying in that distribution of goods, the daily distribution, right? Getting our daily bread. As you'd say, we, we feel like the widows that are from Greece are being overlooked in favor of the widows from Jerusalem are the ones that have been here the whole time. And now we don't know if this complaint was legit, if you looking at it from the outside would we go, well, yeah, there's a disparity here. Or if it's just perceived. If it's a perceived issue, if they, if they just perceived that they were being done a little bit unfairly, because we're not from here, right? Like they are. But either way, it would have been the same in their heart and in their minds that there was an issue. And I say we don't know because there's no rebuke here going, yeah, y'all did this wrong. Or there's no repentance saying, oh, yeah, we did this wrong. But it's, this issue's come up. And that happens in life. You have issues come up. And so what the apostles do, regardless of whether it was, um, you know, factually accurate that they were receiving less or being overlooked, didn't matter. The, The apostles assemble the the church community, all the disciples, which remember disciple means learner, those that are learning the way of Jesus Christ. That They gather everybody together to address it and to adjust what they're doing. And they say in verse two, it says they summoned everybody and they said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God, to wait on tables. Now it sounds like it's being a little smart Elky, right? Like it's being disparaging, like we wouldn't dare go and wait on tables. We should be up front preaching the word. But I believe what's actually being said was they were trying to do both. They were trying to do both. They were giving themselves to the preaching of the word, to prayer, devotion to the gospel and trying to help. Because they have taken this on as a group. Remember, people were giving to the church, and that's part of how this is being distributed, is taking care of the widows. I, I believe that at that point, they were doing both of these. And what was happening was they had reached a point where they could no longer do both effectively. Because the group had started to get so big. They, they were being stretched thin. Now, so what what we see is two things that the church should be doing. The church should be taking care of uh, those in our community that are uh, weak or unable or in need. We we should be doing that. And we should also and more ultimately be giving ourselves in devotion to the Word and to prayer. These are good things that the church should be doing. But of those two, what the apostles are saying is one of them is ultimate. One of them is more important than the other. It's more important that we have, we need both, but we can't compromise the Word and prayer. Because without it, the other thing that we've been trying to do, it's going to fall apart. It's only, we're only able to do it because we've first given ourselves in devotion to the Word and to prayer, You've got the spirit and you've got the substance. You, you've got him here knowing him and then serving him out in the community. And it's like we need to do both. But if we try to just do this, we try to just serve the community without devotion to the word and prayer, this will end up falling apart. And so they said, you know, it wouldn't be good for us or right for us to give up preaching the word to wait on tables. And I believe that this was a realization for them that they were spreading themselves too thin. They had they were doing too much or what they had taken on to do had grown to the point that they were spread thin and spreading yourself thin leaves you fulfilling no obligation properly. I'll say that again because that one really stuck out to me. Spreading yourself too thin will leave you fulfilling no obligation properly. If you try to do all the job, if you try to do too many things, you end up doing nothing well. And you end up just doing everything a little bit. Right. And they're saying we can't do anything that would compromise the word It didn't mean that that's the only thing that they were doing. I, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe it's the only thing they said that they were doing, because I believe, again, they were doing this other. There's other things that are going on. Not the only thing that they were doing, but they wanted to make sure if we only get one thing done... If only one thing gets done in my day, if only one thing gets done, I want it to be this. I want it to be my devotion to the word and to prayer and the preaching of his gospel and the good news. If only one thing gets done, I want to make sure that gets done. And on a side note, we can do that kind of as a self-eval for us. Have you ever thought about that in your day to say, if I only get one thing done today, if I only accomplish one thing today, it must be Blank. And what that is for you and what that number one, that ultimate, that that above everything else is for you. And it may be different, but it is something that we need to ask ourselves from time to time of all the things that have lined themselves up for me to do today or for me to be involved in today. If I only get one thing done and it may just be if I only get one thing done today, I'm not going to lose my patience. If I only get one thing done today, I'm going to walk in love with everybody that I come into contact with. If that's the only thing I get done today, that's one. And it's just, what is it for you? And have we thought about that? Have we put that into uh, our process when we're scheduling the day? Or are we just taking on as it is? And sometimes it's like, if I only get one thing done today, it's that my family survives. And that we all make it through this a lot. Because some days are like that, right? Some days are tougher than other days. Some weeks than other weeks. Some months than other months. Some years than other years. But if we say, I only get one thing done, and I believe that's what they were doing here was prioritizing. And the solution that they presented wasn't that they stopped the distribution to the widows. It wasn't that, you know what, this is becoming too big of a deal. This is becoming too hard to do. We're just going to stop. Y'all are just going to have to go somewhere else. That wasn't the solution. The solution was that the community of disciples would come together, that some would step up and engage at a new level and respond to that need. That's the, there's a continuity that the church should be developing. There's a next man up, next woman up philosophy that the church should be developing, equipping those who are coming behind so that if what I'm doing becomes spreading me too thin, I've got somebody else who can step in beside me. That's what the church should be doing. There's a continuity there that should be developing naturally. They said select seven. Get seven. Why seven? I don't know. Maybe they thought that was enough. Maybe they thought they needed just a little bit more than six. But get seven of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom. In other words, capable And you see these qualifications. These qualifications come through impartation, what we're getting from the Word, what we're getting from the gathering, and from sanctification as we're growing in the faith, as we're moving away from who we were into who we're called to be in Christ as He's changing us day by day from glory to glory. And this is what a healthy church produces is growing disciples. That's what a healthy church produces. You see it here that the church is growing, but the individuals are growing. And at this point, remember, it's still early on. Some of these have only been following Jesus for a short time. I guess the longest have only been following Jesus for less than probably five years right here. And everybody else may be anywhere from a year to a couple of months. There's a, there's a variety there, but the, a healthy church should be growing growing. Disciples. That's one of the things that's on my heart. And I'll tell you one, one thing that put it there several years ago, probably 2011, um, okay? Ten years ago? Yeah. Ten years ago this month, matter of fact. I, uh, I got invited to preach at a church out of town. It, our pastor at the time older, uh, older man who had given me a lot of opportunity to preach and to grow and, and, and to learn how to minister, uh, I would fill in for him when he was out of town. And he had a friend similar, similar age, pastor again in another town. And he was kind of uh, talking about a trouble he was having. He's like, I can't go out of town He said, I've got this appointment or I've got this to go and, and do. And I can't, I don't have anybody to fill in. And my pastor said, well, you just take Stephen. Just make sure it's not a week I need him to preach. Just take him. He said, I'll take you out to lunch. You can meet each other. And you, know, you can go preach at his church that, uh, on that date. And we go and we eat. And we're talking about a lot of different things. And he's like, yeah, I just don't have anybody at my church that can rub two scriptures together and share it. And I was like, that's not good. <laughs> right? That's not Good and I, you know, I wasn't going to be judgment. I mean, everything is, is going on different seasons, different places. You may just have a really immature body. But I was like, that's not good. He was an excellent preacher, excellent preacher. But I was like, it, it, it that, that that troubled me. And we went and and spent the day with him, and I was more troubled. I was like, it just didn't, you know. But we we preached. I thought it went well. They, they were nice. They were kind to us, and. Um, right, not long after that, pastor at the time here, retired, moved off. So I moved into an interim role. I'm preaching uh, as, as we're waiting to see what the Lord would do next. And uh, one Sunday, two ladies come up to the door that I recognized. They were from that church. I was like, well, hey, oh man, it's good to see you. What were you we all doing here? I said, so we just came to visit. Well, wow, it's awesome. Oh, it's so good to see you. all Hey, how's everything going to the church? It's a few months later. Oh, the church shut down. Shut down. It's not there anymore. That's why we're here. We didn't have a church to go to. And I was like, this is not the goal. Now I'm not saying some churches don't need to shut down. Some of them if they're not going to do right, they need them shut down. We don't need to have things going wrong and going out that are wrong or or disorderly or you, you know. So I'm not necessarily against a church closing. When I hear that sometimes I'm like, what kind of church was closing? But it hurt my heart, and I, I was realized that there wasn't the growth there in, in discipleship. There wasn't people who were ready to step up into that next level and role. And I knew it. Just I was like, "This isn't, this isn't the way it should be." And how do we know that? Because Jesus is not incapable. He's completely capable, and if we're the body of Christ. We should be growing in capability more into His image than to just go, right? And it doesn't mean that, that, that there's not some, you know, if there's a, listen, if I get eaten by a bear tomorrow, miss me, number one, that would be fine. <laughs> miss me, get the bear, take, because there's apparently a rough that's going around eating people. But look, then we, we've got to be moving forward don't stay there I'm like oh yeah y'all remember miss me but let's move forward that's what the body of Christ should be Jesus is capable his body should be capable and that comes as we grow and mature individually and increase our role increase what we are doing personally for the kingdom As we're growing, you know, numeric and in maturity, the community fills in in those times of need. And that's what was happening here. There was there was growth. It created additional need. And the community who had been growing in Christ stepped into a greater role. The men who were already serving, already doing, stepped in and said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to serve in this capacity. And so the model of church, the, the church body, isn't just come, I receive, I, I may give, right? Because they were giving and then leave. That's not, that's not the model. The model is those things and involvement. And I'm not, you know, this isn't, you know, hey, this is not going on here and it needs to be going on here. This is where we are in the text, This is what we're coming across in the text. I was like, what an encouragement for us to always be growing, to always be advancing, because we never know when that day is going to come when they go, we need seven to step up now. Who's ready to step up? Because you have to get ready before you get there. And so that's the encouragement is whatever you're doing right now, God's gearing you up to do additional to that. We're not shedding things. We're taking on more things as we grow and as we mature. The model for them, because they had people coming and giving, that was how they were able to distribute to the widows. But that wasn't the only thing that needed to be done. It's an in, in involvement, being a part of the labor, a part of the work for the cause of Christ and not allowing the work to spread uh, too thin. Not, allow, not, not, not getting to the point where there's more work than there is those who are willing to do it. And so I'm so thankful we've never reached that point. And I don't believe that we ever will. Outside of the things you come across, now some of it's going to happen naturally. It happened naturally for them. Some of it happens through growth. You're always going to feel as you're growing, and you, and you know this, whether it's in you know, family or work or any, any area of life, as you're growing and as you're learning new things and stepping into new things, you're always feel stretched, you always feel like you're spread a little too thin. For somebody who's growing, you're always going to have those days where you're like, "This was too much," right? But, but th- some of that is just a symptom of growth. Some of that is a symptom of moving into getting strong. If I'm lifting more weight today, it's going to stress me until I get stronger. And then I keep adding on. That, 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 that's the way that it works. So growth brought about an opportunity for friction. Again, these two groups, the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek speaking Jews and the Hebraic Jews. They even spoke different languages. So you see some of the some of the trouble there. And the apostles say, it's not good for us to to neglect the word for the distribution. We've been doing both. We've been doing both of them, but this is becoming a full scale deal. And if we continue on to do this, we're not going to have time to do this. And then everything's going to fall apart. So give us seven. It said, select for yourselves seven. Because we've got some folks growing. We've got some folks that are full of the Spirit and wisdom, who have a good reputation, who are developing character, name seven of them. And I thought that was neat that they said, y'all pick them. Y'all select them. But that's really what happens anyway, right? Somebody's not going to be your pastor unless you say you're my pastor. Nobody gets to say this is your pastor. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You're able to self-select that. And so I thought it was neat that they were able to select. These are people that we already see serving, that we already see doing the will of God in the body. If you're asking for somebody with those qualifications, these are the dudes. These are the ones to do it. And and we may get into this a little bit more on Wednesday nights when we get to this point in the Scripture, which, by the way, this Wednesday night will be... In ending chapter 4 and maybe making it into chapter 5 which is where we hit the Ananias and Sapphira story. So it's either this week or next week. Y'all get ready for that. But I thought it was neat that to this picture here and again this is one of the things that if you're just reading through the book of Acts and you're trying to read 3, 4, 5 chapters a day you're going to blow past this story pretty quick. Right? It's just not super interesting. It's like there was a problem so people thought they were being done unfair so they said let's elect somebody to do it and they did it. And it went well. And if if, if you just read over it quickly, that's all you're going to get. But when we do this, when you actually just sit down and go, God, give me the meat out of here because I know it's in here. Teach me something. This is this. You start to see new things open up. But one thing I noticed is that these were the apostles. These were the twelve. These were the ones that God had had walked with Jesus, short of Matthias, also known as Ice. At least 11 had walked with Jesus, had been learning, and they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And they had gotten spread too thin. There was a need there. There was a gap. But look what God did. He already had the supply for that need in the body. It was like with the growth, it's like y'all are going to feel like you're on top of this for the first few months. And then it's going to start to get big. But don't worry, because of the way things have been going, the way the discipleship is growing in the hearts of these men and the women that are following Jesus in Jerusalem at this time, I've already got the answer rising up. And that just blessed my heart that even though they were the apostles, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be the big guns, the heavy hitters, they reached a point where they were spread too thin and God had to add to those that were doing the work of the ministry there in the body. But the fruit was already growing up right there underneath them. And that, it's not the first time that it happened. We'll be able to go back and go, oh, it happened here. In the Old Testament, it also happened here. Isn't this interesting that it also happened here? Similar things happened. And anyway, that's, that's going to be on a Wednesday night. So we've got all of this going on and, I, and I'm getting ready to close. I want to show you something interesting as we finish and then, you know, finalize that encouragement with you. They said pick seven and they did. And it tells us their names. Let's read them again. The people were pleased to hear this. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The only problem he had was he spelled his name wrong. And you're like, man, he's really complimentary of him. Well, wait till we get another chap- couple chapters over. You're going to see what the cost of that, those high compliments were for him. We got Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenus, and Nicholas, a convert at Antioch. And this is something I wouldn't have known if I hadn't studied it. But they select these men. And I love it, too. The apostles confirmed that choice. You know, they said, bring them up here. Y'all pick these seven. We know them. They're doing great. They're already out here serving. They love the Lord with all their heart. We are fully in favor of this. They lay their hands on them as a means of uh, of transference of authority. Some of it's symbolic. Some of it's spiritual. Some of it's supernatural. This is what's going on. But these names, these seven names, there's something interesting about all these uh, that are listed is they're all Greek names. All seven of them are Greek names. Remember the dispute rose up amongst the Hellenists, the Greek speaking Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And they said, we feel like that our widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution. And when they selected seven to see about that, at least all the ones that they named here, they're all Greek names. And that even goes against what we would think like we're putting together a committee and the problem is is that the Greeks said that the other ones were, were getting too much. I guess we need three of these and three of these and maybe one tiebreaker whose mom was Greek and whose dad was a Jew and then we'll do that. Right? we got to balance this out. But they went way over yonder to the other side. It's like you want us to show you how much we, we love. We'll let them all be Greeks. We'll let them all be Hellenistic Jews. They can all be Greek speaking Jews. Just imagine how complex the situation got, how quickly you got the early church and they're speaking two different languages. Obviously we're spread all across the whole world now. You got people speaking tons of different languages, but this is in the very beginning and they're able to figure out in Christ, in the kingdom and in love for one another, how to walk together. Now, were they all from Greece? Maybe, maybe not. But when they list their names, they listed their Greek name. And so I just love that to say there was an issue there, there was a concern, we're going to go way over to the other side and say we want to make sure that this isn't happening, that this doesn't happen, and that you feel a part of what's going on, right? I thought that was a, I thought that was a blessing. They didn't go the, the, the committee route. There was no, there was no cultural monopoly, There was no, well, we're the ones from Jerusalem, so we should be preferred over y'all who are coming in from out of town. Y'all left us. When things got bad, y'all just left. Your people just left. No, they're all coming together. And God is bringing together a people that would otherwise be so diverse that they wouldn't be able to walk together. And I think that's such a that's such a blessing. And they name off these seven, these seven Greek names again who were, these brothers were already doing something. They were already growing. They were already known as part of the body and known as somebody who could be trusted and who could be counted on. They were already doing, it's like, well, who do we need to get to, to do this? Let's get the guys who are already doing something who have already been faithful in what they're doing. And that's the body. That's the church serving together, serving one another, commitment to the word and to prayer and discipleship, seeing people grow as individuals, know God more, be involved more. And then look what happens. Look what the result of that is. Verse seven at the end of that section. So the word of God spread. Yours may say increase increase. The word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And even a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. This is continuing to confirm that the Jesus way, they would call them that, wouldn't they? They are of the way. The Jesus way that they're preaching, this new life in Christ that they're preaching, this growth Navigating these difficulties confirms that it's true, confirms that it's effective, that it's designed for success when we disciple others in his name and not in our name. You know the mysteries that have the most trouble, it's the ones where they put somebody up front and they're the personality and everything is driven by them and everything is about them and everybody's following them. What happens when they fall apart? What happens when they just die of old age? It all falls down because we've been discipling people into a man's name instead of into Jesus's name into his kingdom, growing in him. We disciple others in His name, not our own, for His glory and not for our own. And that's what you see here is the Church of Jesus in action. It's showing how it has continued. It continues because it legit transforms people. It legit takes people from darkness to light, and it, through that process is growing them into something that they never realized that they could be. Into a part of the body that they never realized that they could fulfill. That it's not a one-person show. What it is, it's a, it's a led community of people that didn't lose focus and kept the main thing the main thing. And out of that, served those around them, loved others, and saw it increase and just explode because they kept the main thing the main thing and they served together. And you see the momentum that develops because of that? The same momentum is lost when those things are lost. If we focus on just the waiting of the tables and lose sight of the devotion to the Word and to prayer, we lose our momentum. So as we end, and I'm closing What do we do with that? What do we do individually with that? Hey, great story. What do I do with that? Really interesting. Kind of neat. They were all Greek. I didn't know that. What do I do with it? What I believe we do is devote ourselves to the Word and to prayer and to the fellowship of the body. And then watch what God will do. We start there. That's where they said. They said, this is the main thing. This is the main thing. This is priority numero uno. This one comes first. We devote ourselves to that in our own individual life. Devote ourselves to to the Word and to prayer first. And watch what God will do because those are the steps. And it's a one day at a time thing. You're not going to sit down and read your Bible this afternoon and go, That's it. I've got it. Eureka! You may have moments like that. Where God brings some clarity to a situation where you go, I'm fixed. He was right. I prayed. I read the Bible. We're good. It's a daily devotion and discipline. And that's where true growth comes. How else do you, you don't do anything spontaneously that results in lasting growth and fruitfulness. It's one day at a time. And if you got to start small, start small, but start. Start because every day matters and every day counts and every day will add on to the last one, that multiplication of days. Because this isn't about a day. It's not about a week. It's not about a month. It's not even about a year or a few years. This is about generations. This is about generation after generation making sure that I step up into what I'm supposed to step up into so that those who are coming behind me can have what they're supposed to have so that when I'm gone, because I don't know if you know this or not, we ain't always going to be here. We're not guaranteed to be here past today. But if I'm not here, have I left behind some things to help others run ahead? If I'm not here, have I done something to help people grow into the place where they can step up because there's still going to be people coming behind them. And that's the way the church has proceeded for thousands of years. How else is it still here? One step at a time, one generation at a time, one leaving behind handfuls on purpose for those that are coming behind them. I could keep it in my hand, but I'm giving it to the ones coming behind me so they'll have what they need so that they can move into What God has for them for the next stage of this journey. Amen. Amen. And now when you start talking about that, you may just like, that's just overwhelming. I mean, you just told me I got to get my grandkids lined up with the Lord and I don't even have grandkids yet. And I don't know what to do with that. We do the same thing. We start today. We just deal with today. All you have is today. Start today. And then when you get to tomorrow, same thing. Next day, same thing. It doesn't have to be this big, grand or large jump or movement ahead a little bit at a time each day over the course of your life. Regardless how old you are over the course of our remaining years. Watch what God will do with it. And I guarantee the answer will be the word of God spread and disciples increased in number. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that when, when in life we feel spread thin, that you're growing us. And when we're spread too thin, that you already have the answer there right beside of us in our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, as we devote ourselves to your word, what's life to us, And to prayer, seeking your will and not our will, seeking your way and not our way, your kingdom and not setting up a throne for ourselves. That as we do that, you are faithful to meet us there and to bring about the increase that we plant seed that we can't make grow. But you bring the increase. And I think that we won't grow weary in well-doing, as the scripture says, but that we'll see the harvest coming in if we don't lose heart. If we don't let go of the rope, if we continue to do and be faithful to do what you have told us to do, what you've called us to do individually and as a body, that we'll be able to look back years from now and go, look how far we've come. Look how much dirt we've moved. Look how many disciples have been grown. Look what's been impacted, Lord. But today, give us the strength to work today. Give us the strength to shovel the stall today. Knowing that having that, that ox in the stall is going to bring about a harvest. The faithfulness to do the tasks that are ahead of us today. Knowing that we'll be so glad we did it in your name years from now. Thank you that we're able to see the design that you have for your church. And it is blessed. And it is good. And I thank you for all that we receive from it. In Jesus' name. As we get ready to go today. I thank you that we leave in peace and unity with one another, that we go out to another week in your world. Lord willing, that we'll see the end of this week and we'll be happy with how we spent our time, that we'll have honored you with how we spent our time. Lord, and you'll meet us at each step, each turn, each corner of the way with what we need for that day. And Lord, give us enough that we've got enough to share whether it's energy, whether it's encouragement, whether it's a word in season, how good it'll be to the heart that receives it. And I thank you that the gospel will continue to increase among us, out from among us, and the number of disciples will continue to grow. We love you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.